Today we're talking about ownership. An owner of a business, let's say, takes responsibility for what happens. But ownership is a mindset, a set of beliefs. Employees in a business can have ownership mentality, which can be incentivized by things like equity compensation, or where an employee has a literal piece of the financial upside. An ownership mindset means that your inputs don't correlate one-to-one -one with your outputs, that you're not being paid for the time you spend, but for the value you create. An employee mindset, by contrast, is one where someone else has the reins, someone outside of you controls your fate. It's one where you wait to be told what to do, collect your paycheck, rinse, and repeat. Of course, though, your financial or market value what someone else is willing to pay for the value you create has absolutely nothing to do with your human value. That is always and for everyone 100%. The same though is true about ownership and the ownership mentality in all areas of your life. You can take ownership, take emotional responsibility, although remember that does not mean shaming and blaming yourself for how you're feeling. It doesn't mean making negative emotion a problem. What it does mean is you are in control of the way you feel. Taking ownership does not imply perfection. Taking ownership can be scary, even terrifying, but the only reason it really would be is because of what your unmanaged mind would make it mean. What if I get it wrong? What if I make a mistake? What about all the times I didn't take ownership? No, there's no deep inner meaning to a feeling you're feeling, whether that's a feeling of sadness or shame or anything in between. So say you're feeling lonely. It's just a physical sensation in your body created by your thoughts. Often even just these little micro thoughts you don't even realize you're having if you don't have that awareness cultivated yet. Maybe a micro thought like, that's so pathetic, you're all alone. It's as if you're reporting on the news, but really this is completely untethered to reality. So no wonder you feel an immediate pang of sadness or shame. There's no deeper meaning or story there. It's just a single sentence in your mind created a physical sensation in your body. Sure, it's helpful to understand and have compassion for yourself that it doesn't mean anything about you. It's also not something you have to spend years unwinding and digging into. Welcome to being human. <laughs> our minds fling around feces. We can spend all of our time resisting that fact, doing a PhD dissertation on it, or we can fast forward, allow it, not make it a problem, and then know you're one thought away from changing it. Consider that again. You're one thought away from getting exactly what it is you want. Now, sometimes the thoughts we have, again, can happen super quickly. Many of them can happen in succession and they can feel really powerful and obviously true. Again, just like you're reporting on some objective fact. But nothing comes that's particularly helpful from feelings created by our thoughts of guilt and shame. The reason you keep doing the thing you know you shouldn't be doing, even though you're prefrontal cortex and highest self thinking knows what's right, 
is because you're coming from a place of should and shouldn'ts. A place of black and white, of right and wrong, conflating morality with any other neutral circumstance, say, sexuality. In fact, there's a lot of underlying religious moralism baked into our thinking and even our language around, say, sexuality. When you blindly submit to a person or a set of ideas, you give it more power over you. And also, when you come from a place of reactance to a person or a set of ideas, you give it more power over you. Your religion, family, school, say, says sex is wrong and bad, while running towards or away from that ideology gives it more power over you. You know, one thinker put it, the modern struggle is really about individuals disconnected from their tribe, religion, and cultural networks, trying to stand up to all the addictions that have been weaponized. Alcohol, drugs, porn, processed foods, news media, internet, social media, video games. <laughs> I want you to know you can literally rewire your mind to not desire binge eating, to not desire disconnected sex, or any other form of emotional buffering. That's what taking ownership, emotional accountability, and responsibility can look like. Not a burden, but a freeing sense of possibility. Now, building integrity and trust with yourself, though, is itself a skill. Building that commitment to your future self is a skill. It's one that much of the incentives and forces around us continue to erode by default. The path of least resistance really is to not just ignore the wants of your future self, but to separate yourself and degrade over time connection with your present self so much, you begin to lose sight of who you are entirely. The answer is not more willpower. It's not white knuckling or muscling through. That's what leads to the cycles of burnout. That's what leads to the bucket effect. That's what leads to the repetitive cycles of you trying, giving up, failing, and then failing, of course, in advance by not even trying. The answer lies in your mind, in your ability to change your thoughts. So consider this. There's a multi-billion dollar diet and weight loss industry, and there's billions of dollars simultaneously being spent addicting you to smoking, drugs, alcohol, processed foods, social media, and the like, and billions of more dollars being spent convincing you this is an addiction and that withdrawal is painful. But what if you were literally just one thought away from eliminating that desire? Your nervous system leaves no fossil record of your thoughts, feelings, ideas, except those that are transformed into actions. So what if you could eliminate the desire for any of the emotional buffering in the first place? So consider this three-step causal chain. Desire, then willpower, then emotional buffer. Most everything outside of us is focused on step two, on that willpower, on that white knuckling, on just forcing yourself to overcome that desire. Our work can be focused on step one on the desire itself, on learning how to distinguish false pleasure or synthetic desire created by others trying to hijack your primitive brain 
from the truth of your deepest desires created and cultivated by your prefrontal cortex, your modern evolved capacity to reason and to reason about reasoning. So we'll walk through a couple of examples of what this ownership mentality in emotional adulthood and emotional responsibility can look like. For instance, we think we need to get closure from other people. We think that hearing the magical words from someone else who we had some disagreement or falling out with will make us feel better. But have you ever had a conversation with someone with whom you thought you wanted closure, whose words you thought you needed to feel a certain way, and then you felt exactly the same or even worse? It's because this idea of closure is created by your thoughts. Here's another example. We think that our uncertainty around trusting someone or our feelings around someone breaching our trust has to do with them, but it doesn't. So someone breaches your trust and you think that's what makes you feel anger, that rage, but that anger is most often just a cover emotion for the shame you feel caused by your judging thoughts. Again, one of these split second micro thoughts like, ah, why was I so stupid to have trusted them in the first place? Do you see that? It has nothing to do with them, the other person, that thing outside of you, what they did or didn't do, said or didn't say. Your feeling betrayed is caused by your self-judging thoughts, shitting on yourself for having betrayed yourself by trusting them. Now that's not to say that we don't create boundaries for ourselves in relation to others. But here's one of the biggest misconceptions of them all. Boundaries have absolutely nothing to do with another person. Let me say that again. <laughs> boundaries have absolutely nothing to do with another person. Boundaries are not a manual, a set of rules for your family member, colleague, boyfriend, stranger to abide by. Boundaries are for you. What? <laughs> boundaries are the things you decide for yourself that you will do if a certain condition is met. If someone does or says something that crosses a line you've decided in advance is right for you. You can't manipulate, control, deceive other people to act in a certain way. You can't stop her from texting you. You can't stop him from DMing you. But think about it. Why did you want these things in the first place? Why did your mind create that false conditional? So that you could feel a certain way. Your mind lies to you and says, well, if my friend just texted me these words, then I get to feel loved, seen, supported. If my former boss, say, just did this thing, then I'd feel accomplished qualified, worthy. Really interrogate this. What happens the second they do, the second they say the thing you think you wanted? You feel exactly the same or worse. Why? Because you're believing the same thoughts. Boundaries are for you, not rules for other people. You can't control how they show up. You can control what runs through your mind. And there's no amount of permission or approval from anyone else that'll make you feel like what you're doing is right, is okay, that you're on track. Part of taking ownership and bringing that ownership mindset to every part of your life is learning the skill of saying no. And one of the most powerful thoughts is, in fact, I love you and no. Bringing the possibility of a yes and is one of the most powerful ways to bring ownership mentality to every part of your life. 
if you think like an owner and act like an owner as an employee. It's only a matter of time before you become an owner. The same is true for every part of your life. If you're ready to start taking ownership of your life, head on over to jonathanherzogcoach.com and book a one-on-one consult today.